and welcome to the In It Together podcast brought to you by Co-op and hosted by me, Yasmin Evans. In this episode, we're going to be talking about whether everyone is better together. Asking the question, what is the true power of community? Joining me today, I have Tony Jones, who is a writer, producer and founder of Shelf Help. No, I didn't pronounce that incorrect. It's the world's first self-help book club with a community of over 12,000 people around the world. And I'm also joined with Helen Carroll, Director of Community Strategy and Activation at Co-op, supporting their commitment to help national and local communities across the UK. I'm in the presence of some lovely women today. How are you doing? Great. I'm really happy to be here. I've been looking forward to this um, chat all week, actually. It's my favourite thing to talk about. So really excited to hopefully inspire some people to, um, yeah, to maybe join a community, start a community, appreciate they already are part of a community, probably, maybe without realising it. So, yeah, happy to be here. Absolutely. Yeah, me too. Hoping the technology stands up. I've been having some issues today. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Helen, that's just that's just the story of our lives right now during lockdown, isn't it? <laughs> Everything's kind of falling apart. Totally, totally. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today. And I feel like for some of us, if not all of us that are listening now, uh, we definitely need these kinds of conversations. I'm currently self-isolating alone. So even having this conversation with the both of you is like one of the most exciting things of my life right now. <laughs> Tony, how did you feel at the start of lockdown? Selfishly, Shelf Help's been going for almost three years. And this year for me was the year that I really thought things were starting to happen. And I had lots of events planned because we kind of started as a book club and quite quickly it turned into a bigger community-based um, yeah, collective, I suppose. So this summer I was going to be at festivals and running workshops and bringing people together in rooms and so when lockdown and events were kind of the first thing to go I suppose weren't they because suddenly the idea of getting people together in a room was a very bad idea so like, I didn't really appreciate I think the gravity of what was about to hit everybody um, so after I had a bit of a kind of sulk for a few days and then I I kind of found a peace I suppose in the fact that all of my work for the rest of the year just disappeared in 48 hours. And so I'm going to have to find a new way to bring people together. So for me, yeah, I kind of went through, probably like lots of people, went through lots of ups and downs and eventually settled on, well, this is what it's going to be like for the foreseeable. So what can I do? What can Shelf Help do to um, help people through through this, I suppose, as best we can? Yeah. How about you, Helen? How did you feel? Um, Yeah, no, it's been interesting. I have 12-year-old twins, boy and a girl. So obviously homeschooling as well as trying to do my job at the same time has been an interesting challenge. But also, I suppose, what's been fascinating for me is seeing it through their eyes because they're very different. So um, I have one introvert and one extrovert. So seeing uh, my son live (laughs) his best lockdown life... And if he didn't have to go out the house again and could continue to socialise with the world in general with his PlayStation headphones, would be more than happy. Versus my daughter, (laughs) who is a total social animal and continues to say, I can't have another day exactly the same. So they probably give a good indication of the two extremes that people might have been feeling during this time, to be fair. I definitely can relate to your twins. I feel like I might wake up one day and I'm your son and then the other day I'm definitely your daughter. Probably more so your daughter because I I also feel like it's the end of the world sometimes. (laughs) But 
I think what the most amazing thing is, is that we've kind of realized, and I've said this probably about every single day this week, to be honest, we've realized that, oh my gosh, I can still do what I had planned to do, if not more. I don't know if that's a, a huge statement. And I'm, I'm well aware that for me, I, I'm extremely lucky that I actually still have had some structure. I can still go to the studio and do my radio show. A lot of people, a lot of my friends have been furloughed or, you know, have lost their job. And so I think it's really important that we are still connecting in other ways. I definitely would never have said I'm missing work or I'm missing my work friends. (laughs) No shade to those. (laughs) The physical interaction that you've missed. That's what it is. Well, I've certainly missed the physical interaction, but I think as well, I've seen that you find novel ways to get around that. And actually I've ended up being more connected with people, not less because of that. So people have made more of an effort, shall we say. So when you feel like you can't have something and you want it more, then you find more ways around it. So I've connected with friends over Zoom coffees that probably would have been waiting another year or at least six months to go in the diary. And all of a sudden, we found ourselves connecting on a weekly basis. So I think that's been something that's really nice. You know, we've kind of got around this thing that if we can't be together, then like we won't get together. And I think everybody's realised that that potentially isn't the case. I've never been to so many pub quizzes in my whole life from the comfort of my sofa (laughs) at the beginning of lockdown. Tony, for you, how have you found ways to connect with people at this time? From a work point of view, I would say I'm really sociable and I do, um, I work for myself. So my work life is kind of, I'm at home by myself writing and creating and stuff a lot now, but but I have to make plans. And I, my Friday is always days of coffees and lunches and going out and I leave the house at 6am and come back at 10pm sometimes later. So that whole side obviously disappeared. So for the Shelf Help Club, we pivoted that online quite quickly. We tried lots of different ways. We did huddles, um, Zoom, all that kind of stuff stuff and then we kind of landed on a let's meet once a week every Monday night to talk about the book kind of but actually we were just connecting and bringing people together to talk about what they were going through and that just kind of happened that's something I've been trying to do for ages I think and it it was on my to-do list like the coffees that you know might never have happened and it and what the extreme circumstances kind of forced it and from a social point of view like you said, I've never, I don't think I've been busier um, with lots of people that I haven't seen for ages. Like I, um, Friday night in lockdown became my favorite, well, Friday became my favorite time. We, we started Friday Club, which is just a load of us getting together, sometimes doing a quiz, sometimes doing cocktails, sometimes cooking at the same time, getting together with my family every Wednesday night. My family is huge and complicated and that never has happened before. So every Wednesday night we'd be catching up. So yeah, using all these different types of technology. And then sometimes even just giving a good old fashioned phone call, because I think we've all gone back to that now as well. (laughs) Because sometimes by the end of a day of kind of conference calls and even if it's fun stuff, because I think fitness life, social life, uh, work life, everything's been on screens, hasn't it? So being able to remember that we can still connect kind of uh, like the analog way where you can just pick up the phone and have a chat. That's That's been quite nice too. Yeah, definitely. So I wanted to talk about sort of, I feel like there's been phases during this lockdown period in terms of how we feel personally. And um, I was having a conversation early on this morning and I feel like I've 
felt so many different, if not all emotions on a different level. Maybe some have been heightened, some probably coming from a dramatic point of view. I'm, I am a drama queen. Um, uh, how have you dealt with them if you have experienced them at all, Helen? No, I've definitely gone through phases. I think the first phase was just kind of like being mad busy at trying to kind of take everything that we were meant to be doing at work, for instance, and obviously realising I needed to help the kids with their work and trying to get into some kind of normality. And like you said before, trying to get a routine going that would mean that we weren't like too hard to step back into kind of whatever will be the new normal. But then I think we all got our vibe going and, you know, realised that, you know, we could do this and we were all all right. And then I think it really, I don't know about anybody else, but felt okay when everybody was, um, and pardon the pun with this title of the podcast, but when everyone was in it together in the first phase and we were in proper lockdown, it felt like loads of your choices were taken away from you anyway. So it was quite easy to kind of manage. Um, And then when we went into that next stage where it became slightly more nuanced, shall we say, it started to feel more difficult. So the phase I then went through was there was quite a lot of confusion at home. So especially with kids, because there was some parents thinking it was okay to do one thing or the parents thinking it was, you know, not. So then finding kind of your own kind of way in that was a bit more difficult. Now it's kind of embracing the fact that you can now go and do things and you, and you don't feel bad for doing those things. It's almost like I'm in the stage where it is okay to, is it okay to go and do that? Um, so yeah, like really questioning what it's now okay to go and do and feeling almost like, like you're doing something wrong by doing something normal, I suppose, is kind of a little bit of the phase I'm in now. I've sensed that people are a lot more cautious and sensitive. I don't know if anyone else has felt that, Tony, of you, because you can like relate to each other, no matter what class you are, what race, what sex you are we're all around the world going through that one thing that is the same. The thing is, this is probably the first time in history, really, that, or in our lifetime at least, that we are all in this together and all going through. I think the thing is, we all struggle. Everyone has a story and everyone has their own struggles. But quite often, we don't realise that or we don't notice that. Whereas now, I know that everybody on this um, you know, in this room with me, if I or on a call with me, is going through something difficult, and I'm able to actually recognise that and say I understand it. And so then you have that connection which you might never have. And just a note on our anxiety: a lot of people now, like in my groups and in a lot of the experts and stuff, and the self-help authors I interview are talking about anxiety now and how it's totally normal for people to be anxious in a pandemic so not to worry if you're if you're even if you never were an anxious person the world is quite an anxious place at the moment so it's about kind of recognizing that it's totally normal it's totally expected if you weren't a bit anxious it might be a bit strange so but if it's if the anxiety is kind of overwhelming you it's about kind of working out ways to manage it really so being part of a community being part of a group saying to your friends I feel really overwhelmed today it makes it 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 definitely minimizes it and so being part of a community that is why it's so important because once you share something it it kind of takes the power away and it just makes it 
it makes you feel like, again, we're in it together. It makes you feel like you're more supported. And again, it, it gives other people permission to tell you that they feel the same. And I think that's really important. And you know what? I think it's uh, also the overuse of quotes on social media, like, come on, you've got all this time, build a business, but save your money, buy a home and do this and do this. And really, all you want to do is just sit on the sofa and maybe have a bit of a cry. That's also, in my opinion, quite productive just to let out the emotion. I'm not saying wallow in it for three months or, you know, days and hours on end, but I think it's really important, like you say, Tony, to to feel and express yourself in any which way that you can. Yeah, it's good, it's good to recognise what you're feeling. Absolutely. I think it is really good to have a routine as well. Yeah. Because um, for me, that really helped me because um, I obviously, I, my work totally changed. My husband's a photographer. His work disappeared as well. So there's the two of us just hanging out with each other for all this time. So How is, how is that? Because <laughs> I don't know what it's like to, well, A, I, I've never lived with a partner and B, I've, I mean, I'm sick of myself already. So how, how, how do, <laughs> be honest with us, Tony, be honest. Well, it's really cool on this call then because we've got someone who's living totally by herself, someone who's living just with a partner and then someone who's living with a family. So it's three yeah. all different, to- different experiences, right? But I think for us, routine was so important like we was meal planning on a Sunday like all the stuff we probably wanted to do when we were living our best lives but never got around to but because if we didn't have a structure to the day then it's easy and this is a, you know this is the same for real life if you don't have a structure it's easy to get kind of just just to react to things rather than proactively say this is what I kind of want to do with my time yeah absolutely Helen how do you manage with having a family and do you take time for yourself or have you taken time for yourself we've been really lucky because um I did a lot of fitness classes before obviously the crisis and then they're the same place as my daughter does dance lessons actually and they're a little local business and they're probably a really good example of us all then clubbing together to make sure that they were okay so some of us who were kind of in the business of marketing and things went to see them to say right this is probably what you're going to have to do. And they took themselves online. So that's meant that we've all been able to have a bit of escape each day. So I've done a kettlebell class with them each day and my daughter's kept her dance classes going throughout the whole thing. And actually, although we used to all meet in person, you know, most days to do a fitness class, we've all got to know each other so much better on Zoom because we've all felt like we like we mentioned that we've now got something in common and so we were all rushing in and rushing out of those classes um and probably just you know the odd kind of high and bye um and all of a sudden kind of we all feel like we've like kept a little local business going and we've all you know connected on a different level so I think that kind of sense of all having something in common and Really, you don't know what's going on with people, do you, normally on a basis when you meet them. So to kind of really know what we're all experiencing at the same time has been hugely liberating in terms of allowing you to feel like you can have that chat with someone that you didn't really know how to start before and things. So, I mean, I've certainly found even out on walks in the local community, people are saying hi as they go past, even though we're not, you know, we're socially distancing, but people are actually communicating more within that. 
Um, just because like suddenly you feel like you're all part of this thing. And I think that's where the sense of community spirits come from, to be honest. It's, you know, the fact that we've suddenly all found we've got something in common and we all did before, but I think it was just hidden by the busyness of our lives. Yeah, absolutely. We are, we do get swept up in that, don't we? We get swept up in it a lot. And and I think that this time has really, well, it's made me definitely realise like certain things don't need as much energy as I gave to, you know what I mean? I just think uh, taking time, like like you're saying, Tony, like just taking time to just be and then also to just breathe through it and stay connected. There's so many, I think it's so great how we can actually stay connected right now. Thank goodness we have Zoom, Microsoft Teams, apps, house party, Instagram, social media and things like that. And I just think it's brilliant. You were just talking about a fitness class, Helen. I signed up to two personal trainer who do live Instagrams and they've set up sort of like a monthly subscription. And I've never met either of them before. And I feel like now they're like my best friends. (laughs) I think also there's still work to be done and we still there's a lot of, I have a lot of family members who don't feel like they want to connect via a screen Mm. and they can't be forced. And it's made me realize that there's still probably a lot of people out there that still don't feel that connection, even though that it's, you know, it's readily available to them. So what do you feel like going forward possibly needs to be done? And how, how is the, the journey going to be for you, Tony, for someone who has a community of people, what as an organisation is Shelf Help going to do? I think with regards to me and our members, a lot of it's leading by example. What I've learned over a few years of reading reading Self Help and starting Shelf Help is that I can read a book like The Monk Who Sold This Ferrari. I think everyone in the world should read this book. Me shoving that down your throat is not going to make you read the book. But me using some things I've learned from a great book and hopefully looking like I'm having a good life might get you interested. So I think quite often it's, if, if it's people that don't want to connect on screens, it's if you're connecting with them on the phone, telling them about some of the stuff you're doing, like you're just talking about the fitness classes and, you know, your voice kind of like lit up, if a voice can light up as you were talking about it, but, you know, the happiness you get from that. So I think it's kind of, kind of giving tidbits of uh, why you enjoy something so much sometimes leads people to just to, to think about it for themselves but quite often yeah it's it connecting does take work like a good friendship like a good relationship like a good team like everything it takes work and time to kind of nurture it so um it's it, the responsibility is on all of us but there's so many ways to find stuff that you love to get involved in like instagram now is a brilliant way if there's um someone a cook you like if there's a fitness person you like if there's someone whose style of fashion you like or whatever you can follow them and you can now connect with them and quite often these people will lead you to other people to connect with so this you know social networking that's what it's that's what social media was all about connecting people already so now it's just taking it to that next level I suppose so I suppose it's just using your imagination a bit googling looking at Instagram looking at meetup looking at Eventbrite what's going on so many events have now gone online that were face-to-face things so that they're literally something for everyone so it's kind of maybe finding out what is your specific part of interest and then finding the community that goes with that 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and speaking of events, you you mentioned earlier that you had so much sort of lined up for the rest of the year and for the summer. And I, and honestly, as someone who loves like festivals and yeah. live music and being with my friends, I, I, it's something that I really miss. Mm-hmm. And I and I, I am watching sort of like the live streams of my favorite acts and stuff, but it's just not the same. It's not the same. And so um, what have you done now to sort of uh, make do with what what you've got, basically, and not replacing what you could have done, but uh, still continuing to have that feeling from it? The thing about live music, it's the same as football, isn't it? Football's still being played, but without the crowds and without the without the buzz and the energy, it's like, is it is it as fun to watch it on the TV? It's not. We all know that. Is it, is it as fun to watch Glastonbury on the TV as to be there? No, it's not. So it's we've got to appreciate that those things, when they come back, we hopefully won't take them for granted and we'll enjoy them so much more. But things that we've done, um, like it was my birthday during lockdown, so we had a lo- I, had, I had a lockdown birthday party. But I gave everyone a dress code. We played music. We played musical statues, which was totally about your internet connection <laughs> and not about your skill as a statue. Brilliant. So, but it's like making making it fun and not dry and serious. Because I think Zoom fatigue is something we all talk about, and that's because a lot of people are on work zoom calls all the time but it's like zoom doesn't have to be boring there's you know i know people that are dating on zoom i know somebody that did a murder mystery kind of event on hangout and things like this it's all it's all different things to do so it's it's bringing the fun think about what you miss from the live events or think about what you missed from lockdown it's probably people and experiences it's not stuff it's not buying things it's not queuing up at the bar (laughs) Is it? It's the it's the atmosphere, and quite often it might be the music. And so I think think about what you missed, and then how you can bring that into our digital life, which is going to be going on for a bit longer, I suppose. Yeah, Helen, have you done anything at home with your family that you may have probably done sort of outside, like a I don't know a disco rave? <laughs> yeah, no, we have, and um, uh, I have quite a complex family as well, just because there's like my mum and dad are divorced, and you know, so we've actually connected everybody's come together you know even bits of the family that wouldn't normally chat over things like that which has been really helpful and really quite leveling across the generations as well so I think one of the things I've really found is that we've started to use technology in the way that I would really want us to use it so use it to connect with real life not to disconnect from real life that's kind of what I've really found we've started to do so I was that mum that would go get off your phone you should be connecting with the world around you not you know constantly looking at that but actually now we're realizing that we can use that technology to actually you know really connect with the things we need to rather than almost like ignore those things so we've done various different things like we had a race night on there with the family Uh, we've had a scavenger hunt with the family so everybody's been trying to find really novel ways of doing stuff and trying to find stuff that just everybody can get involved in but then also I think to your point about the people that can't connect with through digital channels I think because we've all been in a position where we've had to really think about how we connect it does make you realize that there's other people that can't so then we've got a lady in our close called Maureen who then we've all checked on and then we've gone out and sat outside like when it's been clapped for carers it's been as much about 
checking in on whether Maureen comes out than it, as much as it has been about thanking the NHS. So I think it's just taking those moments as well to think about those people who we do need to connect with physically and check in to see they're okay and find ways around that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like there was something just so special when we were all clapping on a Thursday night. It was just like I, I'm on the second floor here and I would see people like hanging out of their window with their pots and pans and and walking down the street and seeing the little rainbows and things like that. It's like I say, I feel like ironically so connected and those moments really are really important. I think also just to talk more specifically and more recently as well. There's a lot going on in the world, not just the pandemic. I feel like this time of us being vulnerable, we're like sponges and we're soaking everything in. And we're also, I'm finding, a lot more open. And in in that, we've kind of learned a lot more about ourselves. Some things that we don't like about ourselves, some things that we didn't realise that we loved. And I I've really, for me now personally, having and being a part of the Black Lives Matter movement that's happening throughout media and uh, throughout the world is also another level to me feeling connected. And social media for me is love and hate. I don't know about you guys. Totally. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's about conscious connection, isn't it? Because I think when, like you say, at the moment, there's so much going on in the world and it's really easy and tempting to just read everything and watch everything and take it all in. But actually, that's just too much. Nobody can can cope and process all of that. And equally, it's not helpful to you or to anyone else. It's better for you to consciously choose the accounts, the Black Lives Matter information, the accounts that you want to follow and are giving you good, valuable information rather than just um, stirring up, like you say, drama, maybe, or um, stuff about the, um, the pandemic. It's a lot of it is our choice when it comes to social media, especially. So it's about kind of curating, curating what's going in. For you, Helen, what has there been a moment where you just felt like you were the term I don't want to use is crumbling under the pressure of it all, but I'm finding it hard to find a less dramatic (laughs) term. We'll go with that um, right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, there's been highs and lows along the way, but I think overall I've just felt how fortunate I am during the crisis, to be honest. And I think the work that obviously at the co-op, the stuff that we do for community is a real leveller from that perspective as well because the things that we've been focusing on, and to be honest, has been something that's been really helpful for me to not do that because it's such worthwhile stuff we've focused on doing that actually then you feel like a sense of purpose. And I think that sense of purpose is the thing that this crisis has given a lot of people that really like helps to keep us going so that sense of community spirit that we mentioned has come out of people going oh my god I can do something to help I can see something that I can do locally that I can I suppose encompass into my everyday life that's going to make a difference to somebody else so enabling those things so some of the work we've done on things like um, setting up an online community platform at co-op and our member pioneers who help connect in communities they're all things that we were already doing as co-op but all of a sudden they've really found their feet and found a use beyond what they ever thought they would have through the crisis 
So a really good example of this is that people want to do something good in their local area. I know that I do. But up until the crisis, I think I largely just slept in my local area, actually, and I lived my life elsewhere. Um, And all of a sudden I found, oh, my God, I am actually here locally and kind of what can I do? Um, And I think a lot of people suddenly realise that the time constraints and even the commitment constraints of doing something good were were taken away. But then hopefully what we've all realised is I can encompass that into my life. So I can get some shopping for somebody else while I'm doing my shopping. That hasn't put me out of my day, but actually... yeah. Oh God, that's made me feel good as well, you know. And you keep touching on what the the work that you guys are doing at the co-op. Um, talk to us a little bit about the Member Pioneer Programme that people can be a part of. Yeah, so our Member Pioneer Programme is um, where we at co-op employ um, community connectors are probably the best way of describing them. Um, so they're paid employees of the co-op, paid entirely to kind of just bring communities together offer them support, offer them the assets of co-op in their local area to be able to kind of make things a bit better where they live. The people who put themselves forward for that are people who are doing this day in, day out anyway. And actually, they don't want paying for this stuff, but actually we quite rightly reward them for the good work that they do. But they're already integrated into their communities. They've got great community networks. And actually, that's what happened in the crisis is those networks became absolutely pivotal. So all of a sudden, that was what got the mutual aid group set up, was people coming together who'd already got these network of connections and being able to go, right, how do we turn this towards helping with the current issue that we've got? That's the main thing that our member pioneers have really helped to facilitate. It's amazing. That's kind of similar to what you were saying before, Tony, that you were saying that you have your shelf help groups and you have meetings all over the world. How did that come about? Do you have your own little pioneers? (laughs) Yeah, I do now, but it came about by accident, by beautiful accident, like loads of things do, because I didn't really start shelf help to be a community. I just started it because it was something I needed. I wanted to talk, I needed new friends to talk to about self-help because my existing friends were bored of it. <laughs> so I was like, I want, I'm learning all this stuff. I want to share it. I need some new friends. And then um, the people that started coming to the groups told their friends, told their friends. And then people started asking me if they could be hosts. So I didn't, as in hosting a book club in their area, I didn't start with that intention. But now we have 30 meetups and during lockdown, I've had probably... 50 emails a week from people all over the world saying, when we can meet up in real life, I want to do this for my network, my community, because I think they're universal, aren't they? The idea of working on yourself and supporting other people to do the same is, um, is something that really has been highlighted now that people want to do. And to touch back on Helen's point about kind of your mental well-being and mental health, doing good things for people is that it's so good for you. It's good for your physical health as well. There's this brilliant doctor called Dr. David Hamilton. He's a scientist, actually, um, and he, he works on kindness. And he, all of his research shows that kindness makes 
or physical changes to your body. So doing an act of kindness for someone will improve your mental health and it will improve your physical health. And it's also more, more contagious than the coronavirus. He said the coronavirus at its um, highest had a peak of 2.5. The R rate was 2.5 at its highest. And the kindness R rate is five. So if I do something kind for you, then you'll go and do something kind probably for five other people and those people for five other people and those people. So one small act of kindness will make you feel better it, mentally and physically. And then it will go on to create this ripple effect which I found just massively profound and amazing. And I just thought that, that kind of, that's what community is about, isn't it? It's about kindness, really. It's about wanting to belong, but it's also wanting to be kind to the people around you. And then you get the kindness back. So I think there's something amazing in that. So yeah, that the Shelf Help hosts are kind of a network now within our wider network. And they generally are people, it sounds like um, the guys that you have running your community networks, they're people that just want to, to share yeah, what they're learning and to, to bring people together to, because it's more powerful, isn't it? When we come together to talk about this stuff, like this, this conversation shows one, like one head, you can sit there and in your own head, like lots of us do and did. Um, and you think you have all the answers, but you don't. <laughs> so it's so much better just to talk to other people about what you're thinking and feeling and hoping. And then yeah, magic can happen. I think magic is a great word. I love that word to describe it. That's perfect. Not very scientific. But you know what I mean. No, it's not. But I, I said this in an earlier conversation. Really, it's not really about the science sometimes, it's about the energy. And that is the kindness, the, the smiles. And realising you don't actually have to, although we love a physical hug. I'd love a hug from my mum right now. But we love that and we feel that. But you could actually feel that without the touch, which I think is amazing. And even without the six foot distance you know through a screen you can feel that sort of the warmth and the emotion how do you feel you know as we're going forward how do we keep that up how do we not lose that you know if we go back I, I don't believe we will but if we go back to normal mm. how do we keep that going what I do generally now is just take stock take stock of where you are and like you said going back to normal it's like was normal working for you before lots of people it actually wasn't or a lot or some aspects of it weren't so this has been this kind of enforced slowdown enforced mindfulness for some people maybe not for mums they might not have been <laughs> quite so mindful but you know things all the fact that you didn't weren't able to travel anywhere the fact that you weren't having meetings back to back the fact that you weren't spending money you didn't have on stuff to impress people that you don't care about which you know loads of us have been doing for a long time <laughs> so I yep. think a really a really simple exercise would just be to say look at the last three months and just be really honest with yourself and don't you don't need to show anyone else this but maybe just jot down what you did miss and what you didn't miss and I think we touched on before what you did miss will be people but there'll be certain people you didn't miss and there'll be certain people that you've connected with that you might not have connected with for a while, but suddenly they were the people you wanted in your life when something tough was going on. So it's good to remember that because life will go back to this fast-paced, franticness unless we take make a real conscious effort not to. So yeah, like think about what you missed and then think about what you didn't miss. Like I really didn't miss some of the some of the travel that I used to do. Or I mean, I love I live in London. I love traveling around London, but I sometimes would spend four hours a day, you know, commuting or try going for meetings and all that kind of stuff. And now we know through technology that doesn't need to happen. So if I suddenly have a few hours extra a day, how do I want to spend that time? And Helen, how about you? How do you feel like we could, we 
can still, you know, practically speaking, can you find communities or how can you find communities to still be connected with even after sort of lockdown eases? Yeah, no, I mean, I I totally agree with Tony. I think it's something that we need to make a bit of effort to think about because there's loads of talk about the new normal, isn't there? But actually, if we want it to be a better normal, then we've got to define the better bits that we want to be in there and we've got to leave behind the bits that we don't. And that's not going to happen by accident. We've got to make a concerted effort to make sure that that we define that and, and kind of we keep those things. And I think, I hope a lot of the community infrastructure that's kind of been set up because people have had to come together in that way can be maintained. But I think it's also important to remember that those things need supporting, like they don't just happen. So I know that, I mean, we get an incredible insight into the community sector through all the local causes that we support at the co-op. And, you know, all those local groups and local communities need to be funded and need to have volunteers and, you know, need stuff um as they move forward and even skills that we can all share have you made any I'm going to ask this question to the both of you have you made like a pledge to yourself you know when we do go or when we do move forward have you like said right I'm going to stick to this whatever it may be I'll ask you first Helen yeah no I definitely have and I think mine is that I am and it it sounds a bit trite but I'm just going to make sure that I'm more present in the moment when I'm there Mm. so I think specifically in the crisis for me being at home with the kids all the time we had a lot more time together but we've had a lot more quality time together where we've actually been doing things together and really properly interacting and I think when everyday life was just happening before the crisis I didn't really realize how much of that was kind of we were in the same space, but not in the same space, if you know what I mean. Um, and, you know, we were, as a family, certainly kind of all living our own lives in the same house, but very often not hugely living them together at the same time. So, yeah, mine's more just to make sure that I make, that I leave time for the most important things in life. And that's basically what it's exposed to me is what those things are. And sometimes it's easy to forget, isn't it? Absolutely. How about you, Tony? I'm actually moving to the country. So it's quite an extreme reaction to lockdown. But I actually spent a lot of time in the country during lockdown because my mother-in-law lives uh, it's in Norfolk and we wanted to be near her because she's not very well. And if you'd have told me three months ago that I would have spent three months living in a barn in the middle of nowhere, I would have literally run a mile. And I just loved it. And I think, I, I mean, oh, wow. when, it go, when we go back to normal life, whatever that is, it might be more difficult, but... I just loved the slower pace and the simpler life because my answer for you actually is to not get FOMO because I'm a big, I get FOMO a lot about just being places, doing things, wearing the same things. And I haven't felt that for three months because nobody was doing anything, right? So I actually just really enjoyed getting on with my life. Like I said, do the meal planning, getting outside in nature, running to my own kind of schedule. And now that I started meeting up with people again in, you know, gardens and stuff like that, I felt it. I felt it creeping in already. People talking about flat and planning flights as soon as they can. Someone turning up in some hot new dress that I didn't even know because I haven't even been on the on, on like the website. So I don't know why everyone's wearing at the moment, but I feel good for it. And I really felt that the FOMO creeping back in. So 
I hope that living out in the country, I'm going to be intentional about when I come into town, I'm going to see the people I want to see. I'm going to spend my money on the stuff that's going to be good for me and that I'm going to really enjoy rather than just on this kind of hamster wheel of which I seriously was on for most of my life. I took myself off that when I started Shelf Help. So it's been a kind of a gradual move away from that chaos, I suppose. But for now, yeah, I'm really just going to try and enjoy just um, a bit of a different pace, still be busy, still make stuff, still create things, still grow Shelf Help, but um, just on on my own terms a bit more than reacting to what everybody else kind of wants from me. So... Yeah, absolutely. And for anyone that's listening, please check out the Co-op's member pioneer network and also check out Shelf Help. Thank you so much to you both for stopping by and having this conversation with me. I have been so inspired. And for anyone else who feels the same way as I do, inspired by the stories of community spirit that you've heard, or maybe you just want to do something good in your local community and continue bringing people together, whether we're still in some form of lockdown or not, find out how you can help others by going to our Cooperate Community platform, where you can see all the things that are happening and the website and offering your support is co-operate.coop.co.uk check it out if you've enjoyed this week's episode of in it together then tune in next week when i'll be tackling the difficult subject of death with former love island star and mental health advocate marlon anderson and co-op's funeral director reagan drew in it together brought to you by co-op all views are those of our guests and not co-op